0: You can have a seat this morning. What a great song. A cross meant to kill is my victory. The simplistic love of Jesus Christ which has no end. The boundaries of Christ's love know no end. It's an incredible, incredible thought that we were just singing. A couple things I want to draw to your attention this morning before we jump into the book of Galatians. Uh, you may be Uh, watching every week, wondering what's going on and why there is no foundation yet uh, for our building. Um, We uh, ran into a little snag with a permit that we were not informed we needed. And so we had to kind of stop for a few moments to make sure that we had the proper permits that, that are required by the state, and which required an engineer, which our lovely state requires about six weeks. Uh, to get, and so you can be praying uh about that uh, as we walk through those little hoops that are put before us. Um, God knows that too, and uh it doesn't slow down the fact that the building our steel building is being built as we speak, and we'll be here sometime the end of august and uh so just be praying that God works all those details out, He knows about it, and uh really. Uh, nothing that we can do by fretting about it. So we'll just leave it in his hands. So be praying for that as as the we usher along through the summer toward the fall. Um, the other thing I want to say to you folks too, before we look at the book of Galatians is thank you for your generosity. Um, our giving through COVID and and even up to date, you guys have just been so generous and said yes to God in such great ways. And because of that, our ministries keep going and all the things that need to happen, even with the building, and um, that little permit deal is going to cost us somewhere uh, around 10000 probably by the time we get that figured out, and God just provides. He keeps providing what we need as, as the need comes, and as elders, we've said that all along, that if we say yes to God and we go the direction that he wants us to go, he'll provide whatever we need to, to make that happen, and He does. And He uses His people to do that. And so we want to say thank you to you. Continue to allow the Spirit of God to direct you. And it's amazing to me over the last year and a half, um, we really, if you've noticed, we don't say a lot about giving. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about it. And we have some methods where you can give. And God has increased our giving. And that's just to the generosity and the hearts of God's people are saying yes to him. So thank you for that. Thank you for being aware and uh, saying yes to God. We appreciate that. Would you bow with me and uh, we want to thank him for the time we get to spend in His word this morning. Father, it is by your gracious hand that we're able to open the Word of God in freedom. And we are a blessed people. You have given us the Word of God in so many forms, and so many fashions. And often it's to our shame that we take it for granted. And we sometimes take the things that are the easiest for us to get a hold of and things that are in front of us, and we become a little complacent. So would you help us this morning by your Spirit as you speak to us from your Word? Would you guide our hearts, guide our thoughts, And then would you help us to put into practice the things that we are reminded of from the Word of God. The truths that we're looking at this morning from this little book of Galatians are so simple, but yet often cause us a lot of problems. And so I ask that your spirit would just have control of our hearts in the next few moments. Thank you for all that you provide for us. Thank you for the generosity of your people. Thank you for the way that you've been at work here. Would you continue to do your work in our hearts and our lives? In your name we pray, amen. If you have your Bible with you, I'd ask you to turn with me to the book of Galatians. We're doing the whole story, and at this point we've hit this little book that Paul wrote to the church of Galatia. Galatia, just so you know, is not just one town, it's a region. And so there's some speculation, some kind of discussion about whether this was one church or it was a a group of churches in the region of Galatia. We're not really sure. We know that these letters were written to churches and they were passed around. And so there was probably a group of people who at different homes or at different places that read this little letter that came from Paul and then It was added to the canon of Scripture for all of us because it's so significant to what happens in our life. I named this as I was reading the book of Galatians. I read it over and over, and then I would put it on in my phone and just keep listening to it and listen all the way through to to all of the events that are going on in the book of Galatians. And one of the thoughts that came to my mind as I was listening to this over and over and over again was bait and switch you ever familiar with bait and switch ever been there where somebody presents something to you that is really awesome. It looks really good on the, on the front side. It, it sounds really good. Maybe, maybe it's something that you're about to eat and they, they, they kind of, they set you up that my kids like to do this by the way, with sour stuff. They, they, they know that I'm not a big fan of sour things. And, and so they like to play the bait and switch game where it's, Hey dad, this is really good. You're really going to enjoy It's really sweet. And then I know enough now, I mean, I am a little slow, but I do catch on, that if they come to me with something like that, that really it's a bait and switch. And what they're doing is, this is something you're really going to enjoy, and you put it in your mouth, and you know what happens to you. Well... They, people do that with foods. They do it with, you know, the latest diet crave. You know, this is it. If you do this, this is if you buy this, they do it with vehicles. They do it with timeshares are really good at this. I don't know if you've ever been sucked into the timeshare thing where, hey, give us 15 minutes of your time. Three and a half days later, you're still sitting there and they're still trying to sell you. It's the bait and switch, right? This is really good. And what you get on the outside is often very, very disappointing. And it's not what you had in mind at all. Let me give you another picture of that that happens often. And and, uh, if you're familiar with fishing at all, this is a great example of the bait and switch, right? A bunch of us guys, uh, a couple of Friday ago, we, we went fishing. Some of the guys fed the fish more. They just gave them bait. They really didn't hook any. They were just just feeding them. But what happens is, is you take a piece of mackerel or something or or, a piece of bait and you take and you thread the hook through that piece of bait, whatever that might be. And, and, and the little unsuspecting fish or a large unsuspecting fish, this depends on where you are. You throw that out and that little unsuspecting fish is going by and goes, Oh, food, right? And he goes by and he grabs the piece of food and he, and he starts to suck it back. And partway through he realizes there's something wrong with this piece of food. And by the time that that fish realizes you've got the tug on the line and you set the hook or, or, or you, you pull on it, however you're going to set the hook. And by the time he realizes it's too late, he's been hooked and they're pulling him in. And he was unspent. It looked good on the outside. It looked really good. It looked like that's exactly what he needed in life until he got a hold of it. And all of a sudden, he realized ah, there's something else going on. Well, in our physical lives and in our spiritual lives, this concept happens to us all the time. And in our physical lives, it happens almost every day where all of a sudden you've been sold something, somebody told you there was an advertisement, there was something you read, it's the next best thing since sliced bread, here we go. And you get in the middle of it and you realize this is not what I thought. And it's going to cost me something to get out of it. Or I wasted all that time and energy, or I put all that money into that and it's gone. Or you get the car and a year later you're sick of it and you want something different because it's not what you thought. Well, in our spiritual lives, the same thing can happen. We can be sold a bill of goods about what it means to have a close relationship with God or what it means to be right or what it means to be full of integrity or what it takes to live a life that's honoring. And we can be sold an idea of what that looks like and we can buy it and get into the middle of it and realize, no, this is a bigger weight on me than it is freedom, than it is release, than it is a relationship with someone who's setting me free, which is the promise of God. If you know God and you have a relationship with God, the promise of, of Him to us is this, that you will be free. And those who know the Son of God aren't just free, they're free indeed, completely free. Well, this group of churches or this church in Galatia that Paul writes this letter to, what had happened is they understood who Jesus Christ was. Paul had gone to them on a missionary journey and he told them about a relationship with Jesus Christ and what a relationship with Jesus Christ looked like. And they had come to the place where some of them had accepted a relationship with Jesus Christ, they realized that what Christ did on the cross for them paid the price for their sin and brought freedom into their life, and they accepted that gift, what Christ did on the cross. Remember what we just sang? Yeah. They accepted that gift. But then someone came along in their teaching and they pulled a bait and switch and they said, look, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you got to add this and this to it because if you add this to it, that relationship's even better. Or if you don't add this to it, then you're not really the follower of Jesus Christ that you think you are. The thing that makes this little book so real is that happens to us even today. But I want you to understand, and I want you to start where Paul starts. And Paul starts with this little verse, and let me me give it to you. It's Galatians 2.20, and he says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He sets the tone. He sets the stage. He sets the bar, if you will. Look, this is what it means. This is what it looks like to be a Christ follower. To be a Christ follower is to understand that I am a sinner in need of a savior, that I cannot do anything to pay the price for my sin. I cannot buy myself out of this. I cannot work myself out of this. I cannot be good enough to get out of this. That was the point of the law, right? The law, showed us how far short we fell and that we needed a savior. The law showed us that we couldn't do it on our own. I am not good enough to make God who is a holy and righteous God and make him happy with me. And so the law showed me that I needed a Savior. And so Jesus Christ, the only one, the Lamb of God, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the only one who could come and pay the price for me, came and he did that for me. And he made me free in Christ. And so Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Not that you would see me, but that you would see Christ. I am free in Jesus Christ. And so he starts this whole thing out with the thought, look, freedom comes from a relationship with Christ. That's where freedom comes. And these Galatians, this church, these churches or this church at Galatia had sucked in from other people some other thoughts. And Paul says it this way in Galatians 3, starting at verse 1, he says, you foolish Galatians... Who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you had heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by the Spirit? Are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If in fact it was for nothing, so then... Does God give you the spirit and work miracle, miracles among you by your own doing the works by your own doing the works of the law or is it by believing what you heard just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness he's setting up the stage he's like look is it is it Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross or is it Jesus Christ and then all the work that you do that makes you right with God how did you have a relationship with God? How were you made right with God? Well, the answer is right. I'm only made right with God through, you say it, the work of, oh, are you even with me? Are you guys sleeping? There's a couple who told me beforehand that they might fall asleep. You guys are fine. Keep sleeping. But the rest of you, you didn't tell me that. How are we made right with, with, with God? Okay, the Sunday school answer, Jesus, is now correct, okay? How are we made right with God? Through Jesus. I know we've told you before, Mike and I, said it's not the Sunday school, but this time it is the Sunday school answer. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We are made right with God through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And in these verses, Paul looks at the Galatians and he says, what happened to you? It was Jesus Christ, and he was good enough at the start, but now you're adding all this other stuff to what you're doing, hoping that God will be happy with you. You foolish Galatians, it's found in Christ. You could say that to us. You foolish people. Because we start out with a relationship with Christ and then we start adding, God, if I do this, will you be happy with me? God, if I give this, will you be happy with me? God, if I, if I, if I look after this group of people or if I work hard at this, God, you've got to be happy with me. And God says, no, I was already happy with you because of what my son Jesus Christ did for you. And I don't see you as who you are. I see you through my son Jesus Christ made right by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you. Wow. Takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? And these people at this church, this group of people, have been sucked into the idea that, look, if we do all this good stuff, if we work hard, if, 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 we're, if we're living the law and we're trying to put things together in the right order, then, then just, maybe, just maybe God will be a little more happy with us. And we in our own lives can do the same thing and we start adding, adding to what our salvation is, but it doesn't work because none of us are good enough to add to our salvation. Romans said it this way, while we were still helpless (laughs) at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He said it this way, but God proves his love to us while we were still what? Sinners and it doesn't change. When our relationship with Jesus Christ starts, it's nothing that I do that makes God love me more. It's what Christ has already done for me on the cross. It's what he has completed for me. Let me stop right here for a minute and ask you, Christ follower, what have you been adding to your relationship with Jesus Christ? What is it that's been driving you and making you live the life that you're living? Is it simply that that simple relationship with Jesus Christ or is it Christ plus all this stuff that I've got to do to make God happy? John told us this. He said, unless you come to me as a little child, that faith and that trust in God has to be simply like a little child who walks up and says, help me. Help me, I can't do it, help me, help me. And as adults, we don't want to be there. We don't want to ask for God's help. We want to figure it out on our own. We want to say, God, I did this much, you meet me here. And God says, no, it's, help me, help me. I need you. And the thing is, guys, is we become followers of Jesus Christ, and we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, and we accept the payment of Christ on the cross. And then in the middle of that, after Christ has saved us, we start going backwards and going, no, okay, God, I know you saved me, but, but what if I do all this stuff? Then what are you going to do? And God goes, I, I, I just, I still saved you. I still love you the same way. No different. No different. Now, remember this, that these folks in this church hadn't done this on their own. It wasn't just their fault. They didn't make it up in their own heads. There was someone who came along, another teacher who came along, and what was really going on was this. They said, look, it's Jesus Christ. It's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But we're going to add some of the rules of Judaism back into this so that you can check off the stuff that you've done so that God will be happy. And they were mixing the two thoughts, faith in Jesus Christ and the law. And so someone had come along and started sucking them back into the law. He says it this way, I am amazed that you, this is Galatians chapter 1, I am amazed that you are so quickly turned away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and our turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, that Christ is the answer, the payment of sin was Christ on the cross. If someone should preach something different, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. God takes this really, really serious. God is not messing around when he uses Paul to write these words to this church. He says, look, it is Christ and Christ only. And if anybody adds anything to it, they're wrong. And not only are they wrong, I'm upset at them. That's what he's saying." So Christ follower, let me help you understand the seriousness of when you take Christ and Christ alone and you add all your stuff to it to say, now God's got to be happy." Guess what? He's not happy. He doesn't like it. And you say, well, why? It's my own life. I'm already in Christ. What's it matter? Yes, but the picture that you're portraying to the people around you who need Christ is that it's not Christ alone. It's what I do. I am so good, God has to love me. I've got it together, you don't. I've got it figured out. And Paul looks at everybody and he says, no, you don't have it figured out. It is Christ and Christ alone. That's the only answer. Daddy, help. Daddy, help me. Dad, I need you. Pick me up. I need Christ. That's it. And Paul's not doing this because he's mad at them. Paul's doing it because he realized the damage that it will do to their heart and their life when they get their eyes off Jesus Christ and back on themselves. The same thing happens to us. We become judgmental. We become legalistic. We start looking at things from our own point of view, hoping that the way we figure it out will make it so that we can lead people into a life that we're living and the freedom that we have and the goodness that we have instead of looking and sending them to Jesus Christ. And Paul's doing this as a father who loves these children. They're the ones, some of these, uh, he led to Christ himself and he's like, look, I don't want you to miss out on the goodness that's found in God. I want you to realize the freedom that comes with a relationship in Jesus Christ. I want you to have that freedom, believer, believer. Are you missing out on that freedom? Are you at a point in your life where you've tried and tried on your own? Yeah, you've got a relationship with Christ, but you've added to it, and it's become cumbersome, and it's become heavy. Or is it Christ alone? Paul gives three exhortations. He gives more than this, but let me, let me give you three that Paul gives to these believers found in this book of Galatians that helps them stay the course, that helps them stay with Christ. Now remember, it's Christ plus what? Okay, Jay, you're away. Good, Mike was away. It's Christ plus nothing. It's just Christ. It's just Christ. And so Paul looks at these this group of people, and he he gives them. I'll just pull three out because that's all the time we have this morning. He says this: "Live first of all in freedom." Galatians chapter five, verses thirteen and sixteen. He says it this way: "For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters." Now, don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. He's not saying here, you were called to be free. Now go do whatever you want. Live it up. Woohoo! That's not what he's saying. He says, the blood of Jesus Christ washed you clean to live in the freedom of a forgiven life. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Now he says, live in that freedom. Don't use it as an excuse for your life. But Serve one another through love. I say then, walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. So here's what Paul looks at this group of believers. He says, you want to fight this Christ plus something? Then live in the freedom that comes only in knowing Christ. And if you live in that freedom, you're going to live by the spirit. Now, who knows what Galatians tells us that the the spirit produces in us. Anybody know? Come on. What is it? Come on, what is it? The what? There you go. This right here. What is it? Yeah, love, joy, peace, long suffers, gentleness, goodness, right? The fruit of the Spirit. If we live in the freedom of Jesus Christ and we give him the place that belongs to him in our hearts and our lives, we are promised this, that the Spirit of God will produce in us the characteristics of God. So believer, one of the ways that you know if you're living in the freedom of Christ is what's being produced in you. So last week, let's just do a little test. Last week, as you went through your week, if I were to grab some of the people that you lived last week with and I were to ask them what characteristics were evident in this person's life last week, What would they tell me? You don't have to speak out loud. This is one time you can keep it to yourself. I know I've been trying to get answers, but right now, no. What was produced in you last week? That's how you know if you're living in the freedom of Christ, if you're living in the Spirit. It's by what's being produced in you. Believer, living in Christ and allowing the Spirit to have control means that the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God the gentleness of God, the temperance of God become available and evident to the people that you're living life with. Live in the freedom of Jesus Christ. That was Paul's first and looks at these guys and he says, look, if you're living in the freedom of Christ, you're not going to give in to the flesh. Why? Because the spirit of God is so busy producing the characteristics and the fruit of the spirit in you that you don't have time to live in the flesh. There's too much good going on. Is that how you would describe your life? There's too much good going on in here for anything bad to be here. Loving others. We're no longer enslaved by ourselves. We become, Christ becomes the master in my life. And I allow the spirit to direct my life. Number two, second thought is this, live humbly. He says this in Galatians chapter 6. He says, carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work. And then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. He says this, look, if you're living in the spirit, If you're living in the freedom of Jesus Christ, then you'll be humble. Then you won't be looking at how it affects you or how you get what you want. You'll be so concerned about showing Christ to others and living Christ to others that your life becomes a shining example of the greatness of Jesus Christ to the people around you. Humility here is not weakness. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about power under control. It's talking about the power of the Spirit controlled in your heart and life and showing up to all those people that you rub shoulders with each and every day. You work out the activities and the jobs of your life to the glory of God alone, not to your glory. Hey, this week, those people, would they say that you lived humbly this week? that with your family and with your coworkers and with your friends you lived a life of humility before them not looking out for yourself but looking out for others wow these are quite the little marks that Paul gives us aren't they somewhat a little difficult in our daily living number 3 is this principle that he gives us it's the sowing and reaping principle and he says this and i I love this principle because, well, partly because I come from a farm background, but the other part is because it's heavy on the sow side. Let me read it to you. Let anyone who is taught the word share all of his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows in his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired in doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. So Paul says it this way, he says, look, if you want an evidence of whether or not you're living in the freedom of Jesus Christ, if it's Christ alone, then look at the sowing reaping principle. If you're sowing to the, to the flesh, you're going to reap destruction in your heart and your life. It's going to happen. And you're going to pay the result of, of, of what you sowed in your flesh. Now, I have people who come to me in my life and, and as a pastor and, and, and want to talk to me a little bit about their life. And they'll come in and they'll sit down and they'll say, I don't understand why I'm having such a hard time in my life. And I'll say, well, tell me a little bit about what's going on. And there'll be a believer who's knowingly living in sin and wonder why life is difficult. And I try to the best of my ability not to be smart. And I mean smart-mouthed. And the reason is, is for this purpose is because God tells us explicitly, if we are a Christ follower and we choose to live contrary to the word of God, what we will reap won't be good. Actually, Hebrews says this, that if you are a child of God and you choose to live in sin, God punishes those who are his children. He chastises is the word that he uses. And so if as a Christ follower, I choose to sow to my flesh, guess what I'm going to reap? Pain, hurt, destruction. And it doesn't just affect me. It affects the people around me. It affects my family. It affects my friends. But the flip is true here too. And he says this, look, if you choose to sow in righteousness, what you reap on the other side has eternal benefits. If you chose to to sow the fruit of the Spirit in your everyday living, what you reap on the other side is huge eternally, and it affects the people that you live life with. And there's also a proportion here. If you looked at 2 Corinthians and you read this, you'd say this. The point is this. The person who sows spirally, sparingly will reap sparingly. The person who sows generously will reap generously. It's not just like if I put a couple seeds in, I get a lot. God says this. Look, if you reap generously the fruit of the Spirit in your life, if you sow it everywhere you go, you sow the fruit of the Spirit, then in your everyday life you reap the benefits of the fruit of the Spirit from the people around you. That's the principle. If you sow generously, you reap generously. If you sow sparingly, I give a little bit of love to my family. That's all I get. Guess what you get back? Now, it's not our only motivation. Our motivation is the love of Jesus Christ. Remember back to the simply Christ plus what? Nothing. It's just Christ. It's not our motivation, but God says, look, there is is a proportion here. If I live out generously the fruit of the Spirit in my life, I reap that back in my life. And eternally, I reap that back. But all of this hinges, folks, this morning. This book of Galatians, it all hinges on this. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You want to live in freedom? You want to live humbly? You want to sow generously the fruit of the Spirit? Then start every day crucified with Christ. Christ plus what? Nothing. In Christ alone, I live my life. In Christ alone, I put my faith and my trust. It's him and only him. That's it. Is that you? Christ follower? Is that you? Father? Father? Would you grant us the strength each day? Would you remind us by your spirit and grant us the strength to live out Christ alone? Nothing else, just Christ. Would you help us to be aware and to observe and to do something about it when other things come into our life that we wanna to add to our relationship with you? Father, would you keep us in the word? Would you allow your spirit to produce the fruit of the Spirit in us. Help us to be shining examples of your greatness and the person of Jesus Christ. In your name we pray.